Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 49 of Married on the Mic. Hi, Rick. Oh, hey, Dana. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Oh, fabulous. The book I'm reading says that instead of saying, how are you, to be positive, you should ask people what's good when you see them Mm. or when you're greeting them. Rick's like, I have no interest in your self-help personal growth books. Thank you very much. Is that how you can come become part of your clique? My tribe? Your tribe. The book that I'm reading right now is called A Tribe Called Bliss. It's actually really good, very interesting, a little weird, but we won't get into that. That's for the podcast that I'm going to do with my friend. <laughs> Maybe. Um, anyway, Rick is feeling a little tired tonight. I am in pain because if you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, I hurt myself. <laughs> trying to get dressed over the weekend. Really sad. So does your book talk about being positive and stuff and then complaining about stuff or? Uh, no, I'm not complaining. Um, I was going to say Rick is tired, not necessarily in the mood to do the podcast, but he is here. He is doing it, right? Yep. Okay. So a couple things we are going to talk about tonight. First of all, we'll do a little recap of why we ended up releasing the last episode the way that we did. And then we're going to talk about celebrity deaths. This was Rick's idea because he's been very affected by the recent death of a famous person. And I was very affected by some other famous people deaths. So we'll talk about that. And then we will get into the topic that we promised we would get into, which is the eye-to-eye communication that our therapist has been teaching us about and that we've been using in therapy. I think this will be very interesting. And we'll also talk about why it's really hard. Yeah, no, it's uh, even after all this time practicing, it's still tough. It is. <laughs> um, so the last episode, episode 48, was actually a re-release of the lost episode that we ended up deleting um, over a year ago because that episode created some issues for Rick. So why were you, why did you say we should release it now? Well, because I didn't want to do an episode, so I thought that that was my out. <laughs> okay. Um, so do you want to talk at all about why now or what the fallout was from that episode or anything like that? Or you just want to let it be as it is? Um, yeah, I guess we can just let it be. Like, uh, yeah, no, it didn't end well with all of that. And pulling the episode at that point didn't change anything anyways. So, um, yeah, but no feedback from last week. For, from my end. No, I didn't really get any either. Yeah, usually I get at least one or two messages or anything. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe maybe because it was old news, people are like, oh, this happened forever ago. Why do I care? Yeah, but so, well, people had asked about it, though, or at least one person said, I want to hear the lost episode. Right. Well, it's out there. Maybe people haven't gotten to it yet. So then the other thing is that we did that episode talking about the conflict that you had, the confrontation, but then at the end, did you go back and listen to it? No. Okay. So I did before I decided to re-release it. And the second part of that episode, we get into one of our, you know, tit for tat kind of bad conversations about cleaning the house. And it wasn't awful. It didn't end in a huge blowout, but it definitely was like us going in circles because this was, you know, pre- pre-learning how to, you know, kind of work things out better in life in general, but also how to not do that on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I don't listen to any of them. I know you don't. Um, okay. So celebrity deaths. So yeah, the, uh, I had a near and dear friend. No, <laughs> <laughs> I had, 
Uh, somebody who I guess I didn't even think that it would impact me as much as it did. And it's not like I'm like losing sleep or not being able to eat or any of that. I just find myself thinking about about it more than I probably should or definitely more than I thought I would. But uh, I don't think it's unhealthy at this point. But yeah, uh, for you wrestling fans out there, uh, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall uh, passed away. And uh, he wasn't even like my favorite, favorite wrestler. But after, you know, looking back, I guess... He was uh, more of a favorite than I thought, and uh, I just thought he was a cool guy. And, you know, based on, like, interviews and that kind of stuff as he got older, and it's just fun to, like, I would, I would when we were in Maryland, I would go down these rabbit holes where I'd stay up and just look up one wrestler, and that would lead to a different wrestler, and oh, whatever happened to that person. And then I would just go, like, spend all night, like, just reading about wrestlers and what had happened. And I wasn't even, like, a huge wrestling fan, like, um, you know, I followed it and I had gone to a few, you know, matches or whatever, but. Well, and you also told me that even before he passed away, like a while ago, you had watched a documentary about him or one that he was in and he kind of told his story of overcoming things. Right. Right. Yeah. So he, uh, and it was about that one was about Jake the snake. And then he, he had gone to rehab and all of that. And you know, those wrestlers, their bodies are beat and they're on the road 350 days a year and uh you know they use drugs and women and all of that and so yeah so scott hall it wasn't about scott hall but scott hall ended up coming to the house too um and he had tried i think he said he had been rehabbed 12 times and it didn't stick and then uh he got with his buddies and um and then they do like yoga and that kind of stuff and just hanging out and i was watching those guys hang out and they're old, you know, they're older. They're in their 60s or 50, probably in their late 50s at that time. And watching them, like, rehabilitate their bodies and their minds. And then it was cool just watching them hang out. And it's, I don't know, like, you feel like you know them, but you don't. And, right. Um, so, yeah, it was just, and then them making jokes and stuff. And I always feel like Scott Hall is one of the realest wrestlers. You know, it's fake, but that's still some of their personality. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, and then after watching, like, yeah, that actually started me down, you know, finding old interviews of him and new interviews and, um, you know, and the stories they tell about backstage and the stuff, you really feel like you get to know the guys. Right. Well, that's what I said when we were talking about this the other night is, you know, how do you have this feeling of sadness and whatever, and like reminiscing, going back and watching old clips of them when you didn't even know the person. But the way I feel about it is that, yeah, we don't know them personally, but from watching that stuff and being a fan of certain celebrities, you, you feel like, you know, them, like they don't know us or who we are, but we get to know them from watching all that stuff. So in a way you kind of do know them because you learn about who they are and their personality. And you know, that's how I kind of interpret it. (laughs) No, it is. It's tough. And the whole morning, like I haven't really had to mourn, you know, I've lost older relatives and, you know, I've had people that were close to me lose like my, probably my three closest friends growing up. They've all lost their fathers. So, you know, I've mourned them. But it not, you know, it's, I haven't had that super, super close person knock on wood, you know, and I know, I know you have and it's, uh, 
it stinks. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Right. Yeah. Well, so the one that hit me really hard recently is Bob Saget. And what I just remember when I saw the news that he had died, it was like, oh no, not Bob Saget. Like just, I don't know. It just, my heart sank. And I mean, I was always a fan of his. I loved Full House. And I remember finding out that you know, he not he was Danny Tanner, but years ago, finding out that he did really raunchy comedy, too. And I remember watching the Bob Saget roast and all that stuff. So I was already sad about it. But then seeing all the tributes about him and his wife and all the full house people and just kind of realizing how close they all were and what a good guy he was. And then like the fact that he was really good friends with John Mayer, like it was just the whole thing just made me really sad and made me feel like I knew him. Like I ordered the, the Bob hug, love like Jesus, hug like Bob Saget sweatshirt that Candace Cameron made because I just felt like I had to, you know, have something. So yeah, it is interesting how those celebrity deaths can really impact us. And then the other one that really got me was, you know, years ago, but when Michael Jackson passed away, I was super sad. And I know there are a lot of things that people say about Michael Jackson, all the ways that he made the news and, you know, was he, you know, uh, a pedophile and all that stuff. So I was really sad. I remember I was watching, you know, his videos and stuff and I was crying my eyes out. (laughs) And I started kind of going down these rabbit holes on the internet, trying to find out, you know, like what really happened with Michael Jackson. And from all the stuff that I read and looked at, Um, you know, I came to the conclusion for myself that I don't think that he did those things that he was accused of doing. He was never convicted. And the people who made the accusations had been in trouble for fraud. And there were just a lot of things that never made the news. It was more like one of those things where the tabloid just destroy the tabloids just destroy someone. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, that I know hundred percent that he didn't do it, but I don't think that he did. So that one really got me. Dana and her crazy conspiracies. Yes. Yeah. Me and my crazy conspiracies. Um, <laughs> but there's a, there is a lot out there that you can kind of dig into and read about what, you know, what actually happened, just like there is with any other, you know, thing that we see that's just fake news. Yep. Yeah. No, there was a couple like meatloaf passed recently. Oh, yep. Yeah. And I was a huge meatloaf guy. And, uh, and yeah, that one stung and I teared up a little bit, but, not as much as uh, Scott Hall. I think there was just more, I don't know, like I felt different close, you know, like Meatloaf through his music, but Scott through like his words. And I maybe had I not watched that, that film and not had gone and watched interviews he had done recently and all of that, um, maybe I wouldn't have felt as, uh, you know, as close, I guess. But there's one celebrity that I just never mourned his death and I just acted like it didn't happen. And now, uh, yeah, no. And now I don't even. Who? Uh, Steve Irwin. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that one was really sad. That was a long time ago. I though. know. I just pretended like it never happened. And I just would not think about it. I would not let myself feel anything. I was just <laughs> like, nope, just going to pass right past this. Right. Well, I feel like now because I mean, I'm trying to remember when did Steve Irwin die? It was many years ago. And I feel like it was definitely before there was so much social media and so much access to just watch anything at any time where maybe you didn't, you know, you didn't see as much of the outpouring because that's what got me. I think with Bob Saget was it wasn't just an obituary. It was really just 
like reading all the things that other people had to say. I could not get enough. And even still, like whenever his wife posts on Instagram now, I'm like, what is she, you know, how is she doing? What is she saying? Like, you care about the people. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Did you just have a bug fly up your nose? I did. Oh, (laughs) I know. We got to do something about this plant situation. Anyway, yes. So when I posted asking this question on Facebook and Instagram, some people said Betty White, Regis Philbin. um, Someone said Eddie Van Halen. um, I'm trying to think what else other people said. There were a whole bunch of them. And for me, like, yeah, Betty White, Regis Philbin, like they were great celebrities, but I feel like they, you know, they were older. So yes, of course it's still sad and they contributed a lot, but Bob Saget and Scott Hall were in their sixties. So I feel like that's just, you know, they should have had another 20, 30 years left. Right. Well, I remember, I don't know why I just thought of this, but well, I thought of it cause we're talking about it. But when I was younger, somebody said it was one of my friends. I can't remember exactly who, but they said their mom started crying when they heard the news that Elvis had died. And I just thought that was so weird that like how why would you cry when you found out Elvis died you know like you didn't know Elvis and like I kind of laughed at them you know I was probably 10 or whatever right like that's silly you know and then now feeling it as older like oh now I get why you cried right even if they don't know you you still feel like you know them that's how I kind of look at it so anyway do you think we can move on I guess so I mean I guess I'll keep mourning my own way. and Yeah, <laughs> no, but so I wonder this though, when I was all into the Bob Saget thing, were you kind of like, all right, dude, like, why are you so? <laughs> no, I didn't like, I didn't really think much of it to be honest. Like okay. I wasn't like downplaying it or I wasn't like, I listened to you and I was like, oh yeah, okay. Okay. Well, but no, I, I was think... just, I was just wondering if you kind of didn't quite understand where I was coming from, but then, but then when Scott Hall died, you were like, oh, now I see how she felt. Yeah, no, but I don't think you expressed it like the same way I expressed it to you. You know, like you were just like, oh, I, I'm looking at all this stuff and like, it's really sad. And I was more like, man, I'm really hurt by this. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, like, so had you said, I'm really hurt by this. I think maybe I would have paid more attention to like, oh, wow. Uh, Well, I guess maybe I didn't say, maybe I didn't say too much to you about it because I didn't want you to make fun of me. But I did, I definitely posted about it. I wrote a blog post about it. I talked about it on the radio. So I expressed my feelings, you know, elsewhere. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's move on to the eye-to-eye communication. And this is not, you know, this is not something that we made up. I kind of feel like we should give credit to the people that it came from. It's from the Couples Institute, which is couplesinstitute.com. And this is, you know, these are cards and kind of a guide that our therapist um, gave to us because obviously she has trainings that, you know, she goes to and she learns stuff and then applies it to her clients. So anyway, it's eye to eye communication, which is inquirer or initiator to inquirer. And it's basically how you're supposed to communicate with each other in a marriage. And I mean, just in general, I think you can apply this to anyone you're talking to, but for us, obviously marriage. Yeah, no, it's helped me definitely in my professional life and every, in every aspect of life. Yes, I think it's definitely helpful, but it's, it is really hard. So the initiator and, you know, this is when you have an issue that needs to be brought up and addressed. 
And so um, it says initiator revealing oneself. So the first rule is to focus on one issue only. Uh, Before you start, get clear on your main concern, check your partner's readiness and stay on track, and then describe lovingly what you want. Yes. Um, I think one of us has a bigger problem than this of this than the others. I would say that I have a really hard time with this because <laughs> focusing on one issue only when there are a lot of things he does that piss me off, yeah, <laughs> it can she, be really hard. She goes into turbo mode and just piles on everything and it's and she'll be like, Whoa, 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 slow down, Dana. Are you trying <laughs> to what what are you trying to accomplish out of this? Right. Well, I think I think part of the problem is that since we haven't done this all along that, and I do, I tend to feel like I shouldn't be bothered by anything and I don't want to say anything because I don't want to start a fight or my feelings don't matter. So I just let it all pile up. And then when it finally comes out, it's just, you know, it's an explosion. I'm like a ticking time bomb. Um, It's, It's a novel. Yeah. And then the other thing, um, that I think I have a problem with is, you know, making sure that the partner is ready for it. Because when I'm mad and I'm ready to handle it now. Right. Yeah. When I'm, I can be like working in the middle of working and then I'll just get text after text after text. And it's like, whoa, we'll talk about it later. Please stop in the text and text and text. Right. Well, and I think the deeper issue there is like my fear of abandonment type issues and my, like my window of tolerance issues where like I can only tolerate so much discomfort with something. And then like, I just have to explode and, and feeling like I have to wait. I just, I can't wait because what (laughs) he's never going to talk to me again like that. It goes from zero to 5,000. So so the initiator is supposed to focus on that one issue only and be able to describe, um, you know, what they want. So then the second part is express your feelings and thoughts. Feelings are often complex and can even be con- contradictory. Go beyond simply expressing one feeling. Look for the vulnerability that may be underneath your initial feeling. For example, sadness, fear, jealousy, hurt, guilt, etc. And I think this is really hard um, for me and probably for you too, because the the feeling that I tend to express is anger, rage, you know, instead of saying I was hurt by this or I feel sad when you do this or I feel uncomfortable. Like the the emotion that I'm most likely to express because I want to protect myself is anger. Right. And also the inquirer, if they're doing their job, will also help you like feel other emotions or pinpoint other emotions that you have. So then when the inquirer is asking questions and stuff. Um, So then it says reminder to self. This is my problem. It's an expression of who I am. It's about me revealing myself and being willing to express my own thoughts and feelings. So instead of it being, this is my opportunity to lash out at my partner. It's supposed to be, this is my opportunity to express what I'm feeling and you have to have the trust there that the inquirer when you're the initiator is going to be receptive to that. Right. Okay. So what's on yours for the initiator? Um, avoid blaming, accusing, or name calling. Blaming stops you from knowing yourself. You have a role to play in being heard. You may wish to acknowledge some positive aspects of the situation. Right. And blaming is also very hard <laughs> to, to avoid. 
<laughs> because you just, you know, if somebody's doing something that's hurting you or bothering you, then you, you know, your inclination is to blame them. You're blaming and accusing and yeah. And then, because then you turn the inquirer off basically. Like once, once I start hearing that stuff, I'm like, all right, here she goes again. And then you just shut down. Right. You tune it out. Okay. What's the, what's the next thing? Um, being, be open to self-discovery, explore your personal inner experience, keep going deeper into how you feel. What does this tell you about yourself, how you respond and how you think and feel? Right. And I think this goes back to how a lot of the things that can upset us that our partner does isn't so much about the exact thing that they're doing. It's about how what they're doing makes us feel and the other things from our past or childhood that it triggers and brings up for us. So it's not to say that that our partner isn't doing anything wrong, but they may not even be intentionally doing it. You know, it's how we interpret what they're doing and how we have to express when you do this, this is how I feel as opposed to, you know, you're just an asshole. Right. Yeah. Our therapist had listened to an episode or two and uh, she had listened to the sauce episode so she always says, it's not about the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> and at first I was like, you're damn right. It's about the sauce. I wanted my sauce. If, if you haven't watched, listened to that episode, it's with the Chick-fil-A sauce where Dana purposely forgot my sauce. Right. And he says, I purposely did. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, so yeah, she, Miss Ellen would always say, it's not about the sauce. Yep. So, and then the reminder to self, this process is about my willing to, willingness to take a risk, to speak or discover my truth and about increasing my ability to tolerate the expression of our differences. That has to do with where you can have difference and you're going to have difference and disagreements, but it's, she says, coming to an agreement um, on things. Okay, so do you have anything else to say about the initiator? No, I don't think so. I mean, sometimes it's easier to be the initiator and sometimes it's easier to be the inquirer. I think for me... It's harder to be the initiator. Like, I mean, in the last session for, oh, I didn't feel well, um, first of all, but in the last session, like I was supposed to be the initiator for something that I, you know, feel that needs to be addressed and talked about. And I was so like afraid to say it, um, not even just because I'm afraid to say it, but because I want to make sure it comes out right and all that, that I didn't even end up doing it. <laughs> like I went to lay down cause I really didn't feel well. Um, so I, so, so timing wise, it just, you know, it wasn't a good time, you know, going back to that thing about being the initiator with the timing wasn't good. But anyway, so for the inquirer, um, that is the effective listener. And when you're in that role, you're supposed to listen calmly. Don't defend yourself, cross, complain, or argue. Remind yourself that you don't have to take what's being said to you personally and hold on to the big picture. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about that? I don't think so. Oh, well, I do. Um, okay, so so the don't defend yourself um, or cross, complain, or argue. I mean, that's really hard because... Even if it's said in the most delicate way, sometimes our inclination when our partner is expressing how they feel about something is to defend ourselves or to throw back at them like, well, you do this, you know, so that that's hard. And then also remind yourself that you don't have to take what's being said 
personally. And that's also hard because you have to separate yourself and say, okay, well, this isn't an accusation. I'm not being blamed here. I shouldn't take this personally. I should just be listening to what is being said to me instead of listening to react, listen to understand. Right. Um, And also the hold on to the big picture thing is just that, you know, the point is to hear the other person and be able to understand how they feel so you can behave differently in the future for the good of the relationship. Um, And then the second thing is ask questions, develop an interested and curious state of mind. The questions you ask are designed to help you understand your partner's experience. Can you come up with any examples on your own that will let your partner know that you really understand? Yeah, that one's hard for me. I don't know. Like when I'm asking questions, I'm always like asking questions to prove my point. Kind of like. (laughs) Right. He'll kind of, yeah, he'll just manipulate it back sometimes to kind of get me to almost like admit that I'm wrong. Yeah. So are you saying, I can't even think of anything good right Right. now, but yeah. Yeah. So he. It's not to admit, but like, but I want to fully understand. But then when I'm asking the question, it's like, like, let me get this right. So if I did this or you're saying that I did this to upset you you know I don't even know right yeah it's hard to give an example right now but then the other thing about that is sometimes it gets hard because I think we'll both feel like okay it's going well and we've both said what we have to say and almost like exhausted the conversation and then the therapist will be like okay no 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 you need to keep going ask her something else okay you don't understand yet you have to ask more and it, it, it almost gets to be a little overwhelming with like we think that we've resolved it and she's just pushing us for more like you need to be inquiring some more we're like about what Um, And then it also says, reminder to self, am I in a place to listen with openness? I do not own this problem. I do not need to get upset. And it's up to me to manage my reactions. So when you're the inquirer, you're supposed to be listening and not reacting, um, you know, from a place of defense or a place of of feeling like this is my problem. Right. Yeah. No rebuttals. You just have to listen and ask. Yes. And it's tough. Yeah, it's really hard. Okay, what's on your... This is part two of the Inquirer. Uh, to, oh, man. To empathize. You said it correctly. Uh, do your best to put yourself in your partner's shoes and respond with empathy. Keep making empathetic statements until a soothing moment occurs. You can hold on to yourself and still be able to imagine what it's like for the other person. And yes. this, I actually have a hard time with this. Um empathizing and like I don't know it's that it's kind of tougher for me I feel like I definitely think it's harder for you but I do I think men in general have a harder time with empathy than women do and I also think that that I know that and so sometimes if I sometimes I'll say okay well when you do this to me um, that's how I feel when you say that it bothers you that somebody does this to you or I do this to you, like I'll try to make the comparison because I know that he feels upset or hurt or disrespected when I or somebody else, you know, he, you know, he'll tell me about other people treating him a certain way. I'll be like, well, when this person does that to you, that how you feel then that's how I feel when you do something similar to me. And I, I, you know, should I be doing that if I'm supposed to be the, (laughs) 
<laughs> if that's not my role at the time, but I think that it can help him to have more empathy for him to be able to see like, oh yeah, all right, I know how I feel when it's done to me. So I should be able to relate that and understand that's how she feels and not do it anymore. I'm like trying to be like, get you to see, like yeah, that was, recognize what empathy is. That was a poor example of an acquirer initiator, but yes, no, <laughs> I have, I definitely feel like I've definitely gotten better at my empathy and um with you and others right and is there one more thing on there yeah recap real um recap so yeah you just repeat back to your partner as accurately and completely as you are able what you've understood check it out with your partner to see if it's complete and accurate um i always feel this part's funny like when I'm like, oh, so what you're saying, Dana, is that you don't like my clothes in the bedroom and you feel I should put them in the hamper right away. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's kind of silly and it upsets you so much, blah, blah, blah. Right. It does feel silly. And again, this is one where, where two things, where she will, the therapist will try to make us keep explaining that we understand when we're kind of in agreement, like, yeah, I think he gets me. And then she'll want him to keep going and like repeating things back to me. And the other thing is sometimes if I break the rule about sticking to one thing, um, or even if I'm on one topic, but I'm going off on tangents about that topic, she'll be like, okay, this is going to be like, it'll be too much for him to even repeat back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've definitely gotten better at that, but at the beginning, yeah, you would just start, it's like a berate, like you're just bang, <laughs> A barrage, bang. yeah. <laughs> like you're berating me, right? That's the right word. Oh, bar- oh bar- I thought you meant like barrage, but you mean oh, berate. Yes, berate. Yeah. <laughs> I do barraging and berating. Yeah, and that's where she'll say, like, what's your goal here, Dana? If your goal is to make them feel bad, you're doing a good job. <laughs> okay. If your goal is to like get to the bottom and have a solution, then we need to work on this. Right, right. So... Does yeah, it- and then a reminder to self, my partner is a separate person with their own feelings, thoughts, personality, and family history. I only need to listen, not to look for solutions. And that's hard too, to, to, like, to not problem solve right away. Like you listen, 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 and then there's a time for problem solving, but not until the therapist tells you you can. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And I mean, the ultimate goal is to eventually be able to do this on our own at some point without her. But I still think with certain, with my, with littler things, I think we've gotten, you know, okay at, at doing it ourselves. But um, but then I think there are certain things where like, oh, we just got to wait for her because we need that guidance and that moderator there. Right, like a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, I guess, like we had an issue and like, I was like, all right, we have 10 minutes before the therapist. And I was like, hey, I'd like to try to have this conversation. And it just did not go well at all. Right. It didn't go well for either one of us. So, yeah. But so this this way of doing things, the eye to eye, has really been helpful. But it's definitely challenging, too, because we both have a lot of... <laughs> a lot of ways in which we want to defend ourselves or we lack empathy or we, you know, have triggers from our past and a whole bunch of issues. Or it's the not, it's not the right time or yeah. Right. Well, and I think because we went for so long in our relationship with doing things a certain way and probably in past relationships with doing things that way that in order to change, she, the therapist compares it to 
um, to like riding a bicycle. And if all of a sudden they like turned the, made the, the bicycle would turn left when you want to go right and right when you want to go left, like how long would it take you to, to learn to ride the bicycle? You'd keep falling off of it. <laughs> so you got to keep trying. Yeah. It's the backwards bicycle. Yes. And she brings that up to us a lot. So yeah, it's been a challenge, but we do much better with it than we did. Right. And this is not, um, it's not easy. Like you can't just jump right into the initiator inquiry. You have to have like a baseline of other stuff too. Yeah. I think, I think so too. There's a lot of things that we had to get through in order to get to the point of even being able, being able to sit and do this. Um, like I remember one conversation we were trying to have a while ago, I felt like Rick was like snickering and kind of laughing at me when I was upset. And, you know, he was, he, that was a nervous reaction on his part. And she even knew that, but I was like, he's laughing at me. And so then that just made it a thousand times worse. Um, so you have to get to that point. We had to get to the point where he doesn't laugh and where I don't take his facial expressions to mean that he's not taking me seriously or that he's laughing at me, even though sometimes I think he still is laughing at me. Right. Which, but it was, yeah, I mean, we're, we've come so far. Like I remember one time, like, cause you have to face each other and it's all on zoom. And like, I'd give her a little wink, like, <laughs> like just being a super asshole. Like. <laughs> right. It is weird. Cause she'll be like, okay, turn to each other and take each other's yeah. hand and whatever. And it's just, it gets awkward sometimes. Yes. So yeah, but yeah, anyways, it's hard to not break the tension, but then sometimes, you know, it's a risk because then the tension breaker can turn into more tension if it's taken the wrong way. Right. That's it. I, I was going to do a survey and tribute to Scott Hall, but I don't think the listeners would all a two A survey? Of what do you mean a survey? He always did a survey. He'd be like, are you guys here to see WCW? But I was going to change it to, are you guys here to listen to Dana? And then when the crowd cheers, oh. and then I'd be like, "Are you guys here?" So basically, to to so basically, are Rick? you are you Team Rick or Team Dana? Yeah, I mean, you won't be able to hear the cheering though. I mean, well, if I had my buttons set up, it would have been real. <laughs> oh, you could have faked it. Um, okay, so the next episode will be how to take care of each other. Um, and how to take care of each other when you're sick. This was kind of sparked by when, you know, we've been not feeling well and there's a whole lot of stuff. I and mean, we ended up talking to the therapist about that whole ordeal too, about how that went and how to communicate your needs and why we behaved in a certain way. So that one should be kind of interesting. And then also who takes care of what when it comes to just taking care of the household, the bills and stuff like that, because... We both have our own separate things that we're supposed to do and certain things that we haven't done that we're supposed to be responsible for. And so that's what's that's what's on deck for the ne next episode and then probably, you know, anything else that might happen to come up. So I think that's about it, right? Yep, that sounds good. Any uh, clo closing thoughts, Dana? Mm. What's good? What's good? Um, well, I went to a thing the other night that was super fun and you didn't come with me. Oh, we could talk about that in the next episode too. Why you didn't come? Yeah. Oh, all right. I was I was almost going to bring it up in this episode, but you kind of had a little bit of a, I felt like there was a little bit of an attitude with you about about not coming. And I, if there's a and reason. And why I didn't go. Right. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I decided not to bring it up because I didn't want to get into it if there was some sort of conflict. I was a little, I don't know. We'll talk about it in the next episode, I guess. So thank you so much for listening. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on there on iHeartRadio. I mean, obviously you found us somehow. So also Instagram, Facebook, we are at Married on the Mic. And that's all for now. Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Yep.